Hear the word of God from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 883 in the Pew Bible. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, any, they are forgiven of them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nail, nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. So, I've been thinking a lot about wounds this week. Wounds. We all have them. Some are more visible than others. I've been thinking about wounds because of this text, but also because, well, I have a new friend in the hospital. It's where a lot of my friends hang out, (laughs) so to speak. And I started visiting this young man uh, because a pastor in another state invited us to start visiting him. This young man was in a terrible accident, and indeed he is fortunate to be alive. So I've been visiting him, and I'll call him Miguel. And let me just say, even with rods in both of his legs, even with horrible wounds on his body, and a future that is uncertain, this young man exudes a kind of peace that is real, that is rare, that is holy and beautiful. So during our visits, I learned that this young man has served three tours in the Middle East, and he carries wounds with him from that as well. And on Thursday afternoon, as we looked at both of his legs, at the wounds on his legs, these reminders of what he's been through, reminders, he said, 
of the saving love of God. He said, these wounds will become scars and they are like a wake-up call for me for I am waking to new life. There are fresh wounds in our text today as well, the fresh wounds that Jesus shows to his disciples and indeed to Thomas. And surprisingly, there is also great peace. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Friends, Christ is risen. The tomb is empty. Death has been defeated. And nothing will ever be the same again. Right? Right? Mm -hmm. Welcome to the week after. The week after Easter. The week after the brass and the bells. The week after Easter lilies and flower crosses. The week after vigils and alleluias. Welcome to this season of Easter where we live into what it means to be Easter people in this post-resurrection world. Today, we're starting a new sermon series called Surprise. And simply, it is a surprise. And our hope is that there will be an amazing plot twist in each of the stories that we unpack over the next few weeks. A plot twist that shocks us and catches us off guard and makes all the difference in transforming the way we think and see ourselves and view God and relate to one another. And this week, the surprising plot twist comes in verse 27. Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so let's, let's back up and talk about the text a bit. The first appearance of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples is both intense and focused. The details are very clear. It is evening of the first day of the week. The doors are locked, and the disciples are locked tightly inside, and the suspicious and untrusting world is shut tightly outside. Everyone is missing Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he appears. And the first words out of his mouth are peace. Peace be with you. It's no scolding. There's no condemnation. There's no fear. There's no doubt. It's simply peace. Peace be with you. So defying locked doors and locked hearts and even locked vision, Jesus simply have you ever been at such a low, depleted place of loss and then someone unexpectedly comes to your aid and offers you a word of peace? It's pretty amazing when that happens and that is what the disciples were feeling that day. There in front of them, these timid disciples, was the resurrected Lord in the flesh. And what is so interesting is that Jesus appears in his resurrected form, but he still has wounds. I mean, his resurrected body had some pretty cool features, like he could slip through locked doors. But, you know, if you think about it, he was able to slip through crowds before he died. And his resurrected body was working perfectly well. I mean, his heart was beating, his lungs were taking in oxygen, his mind seemed to be working 
but his wounds were still very evident. The marks of his suffering were still present. Why were they there? Why is it so important for John to make sure we know that they are there? I think for John, for those of us reading this text, for coming along later, for those who were there that night in the room, the wounds are proof of resurrection. For those disciples who may have wondered if all of this was real, if the resurrection was real, real, the wounds provided proof. It's not fraud or a sham. No, the disciples in that locked room on the evening of the first day, they recognized Jesus by his wounds. In our culture, our proper, everything is clean and polite and organized. Seeing gaping wounds makes us feel uncomfortable. In fact, we kind of squirm and we try to look the other way. We don't want to acknowledge those wounds But that's not what's happening here. Jesus' wounded body reminds us that some hurts are for keeps. Writer Debbie Thomas put it this way, Some markers of pain, loss, trauma, and horror leave traces that no amount of piety will take away. I, for example, will never be a woman who was not molested as a little girl. My teenage son will never be an adult who didn't spend a chunk of his adolescence in chronic pain, and my daughter's body will never be one who didn't battle anorexia. Some wounds remain even after resurrection. I've thought a lot about that quote this week. Some wounds remain even after resurrection. I recognize my own deep wounds and the wounds of those I love and the wounds of many in our community. So many of us are walking around wounded, and yet, if we're honest, we admit that real change, real acceptance, real resurrection happens slowly over time. She says, continues, anyone who has battled an addiction or stuck it out in a challenging relationship or lived with chronic illness will testify that genuine conversion is lifelong. And maybe... Maybe that's why the earliest Christians referred to their new faith as the way. It's a way. It's not a destination. It's a road to walk. It's an invitation to journey with Jesus. His resurrected body kept its scars. These were not old, healed scars. They were fresh wounds, still raw, so raw that they were able to allow a doubting disciple to touch. I imagine Jesus winced with pain when Thomas touched his wounds, but that pain, that openness, that vulnerability showed real life, real meaning, real presence, real encounter. I believe that Jesus' pain spoke the words that Thomas was longing so desperately to hear. I am. I'm here, Thomas. I'm with you. You are not alone. Our culture is full of models offering perfection. Everywhere we look, you see models showing their unblemished, flawless, putting that face forward. I'm guilty of it myself. A little vain, if I'm honest. Always trying to put my best face forward. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But sometimes, sometimes we need to let our hair down, take our makeup off, and be real, at least with the small group of friends. At least with Jesus. For Jesus showed that without shame or without apology, he showed his wounds. So maybe we don't need to work so hard at covering up our blemishes and imperfections. After all, it is in these human bodies that we experience life. And in the resurrection, Jesus honored the wounded, broken human body. He honored these bodies in which we all live. No, our wounds, they're not pretty. And they don't tell the whole story. But the stories that they tell are pretty special and pretty holy. So if Jesus didn't fear showing his wounds, maybe we don't need to fear showing ours. Now for just a few moments, I want to zero in on Thomas. Remember, he was not with the disciples that night in that, up the upper room. For some reason, he was absent. Maybe he had gone to the Jerusalem Jiffy Mart to get some groceries. Maybe he had just gone on a walk to clear his head. We don't know, but he wasn't there with the others. And so when he came back and everyone said, we have seen the Lord, you would have thought that Thomas would have said, wow, that's fabulous. That's enough. Okay, what's our plan? What are we going to do now? But that's not at all what he says. And instead, he says, unless I see, I will not believe. His attitude is understandable. His world had turned upside down. His Jesus, his Lord, his teacher had been crucified on a cross and was dead. Unless I see, I will not believe. He wanted to see for himself. He wanted just a little bit of proof. I think we're guilty of that as well. Or honestly, that's just being human. And I think that John told this story in such detail is because Thomas represents all of us doubters through the ages. All of us who were not in the room where it happened that night. No doubt Jesus knew this as well. Jesus did not exclude Thomas from the circle of inner friends because he refused to trust their words. Instead, Jesus goes out of his way to include Thomas by coming back and repeating the whole scene over again, this time allowing Thomas to touch him so that Thomas could say with conviction, my Lord and my God, so that Thomas could come to full belief. What I love most about this part of the story is not that Thomas doubted, but that he did it without shame, without any guilt. He did it publicly in the midst of his faith community, and they didn't shame him for that at all. Rather, they allowed him to question and to wonder and to doubt. Today, at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary, we're going to be confirming 25 confirmands. That's so exciting. And they will become members of the church. And there, among this group is a young man who went through confirmation class in the seventh grade but wasn't ready to stand up and make a profession of faith. He went through confirmation again in the eighth grade. He still wasn't ready. His heart was locked. His trust was locked. He was shut up tight. 
He took time to wonder and question and doubt and grapple, and he wandered into a place that he could welcome Christ. His name is Ryan, and he has experienced many of life's ups and downs, but today he is now ready to make a profession of faith. I am so grateful to Ryan and to his family and to this church community that allowed him to question and wonder and doubt. I long for all of us to be that real, to question things that we don't believe quite to be true because questioning is a part of owning our faith and making it ours. I long for us to be able to show our wounds without shame like Jesus showed his to Thomas and to the other disciples, and they were able to experience new life. I remember the very first sermon that I preached here at Hyde Park in 2013. It was the Sunday, my first Sunday, back here in church, 12 days after my father had died. And I remember showing this broken bowl, and I said this is a visible representation of the brokenness and woundedness that I come to you with and that you walk around with as well. Through the years, you have walked with me and my wounds have become scars and they have, there has been resurrection. There has been new life. And I am so grateful that you in turn have shared some of your wounds some of your stories with me. Friends, as we continue to live out uh, this walk of faith, this journey of being Easter people together, I pray that we would continue to encourage one another to examine our own wounds and let them be acknowledgement of what we have been through and let them be reminders of resurrection. And as Miguel in the hospital might say to us, reminders of the saving, honest, real, present love of Christ. Will you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, you are the wounded healer. And we, your people, are just being honest that sometimes there are hurts and bumps and scrapes and real pains in this life. And yet you hold it all for us, and you hold us in your care. Help us to let you do that. Help us to help one another carry the pain that they are walking with as well. May we be faithful, and may, as we look at our lives, recognize the signs of resurrection that are everywhere. This we ask in your name. Amen. So friends, as a response to the word and as a way to celebrate the gift that is ours, let us receive our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts.